Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air. This podcast is dedicated to the millions of family caregivers who want wellness tips and self-care solutions, who seek expert advice, and who want news about healthy aging and how to create well-home design in our forever homes. I'm Sherry Snelling, a corporate gerontologist, author, and educator, a TV interviewer, host, and news commentator. I'm joining you from Southern California, where our interviews and news take us all across the country to explore the many ways to help you on your caregiving journey and to lift you up here at Caregiving Club On Air. Welcome everybody to Caregiving Club On Air. I am your host, Sherry Snelling, and we have got a jam-packed episode for you. And for those of you who are pet lovers, This is going to be all about our love for pets. We're going to kick it off by, first of all, recognizing that April is National Parkinson's Disease and also National Autism Awareness Month. So I'm going to give you some updates about some research and some other events and things that are going on in those communities, as well as some really great resources. And then we're going to lead into our main theme, which is pet therapy. And as you know, those with Parkinson's and autism, as well as people who have multiple sclerosis or mental health issues and a host of other types of either diseases or disorders like dementia or Alzheimer's benefit from pet therapy. And we're going to focus a lot on what's happening in pet therapy, what you need to know, how can you get pet therapy visits for your loved one. And one of our special guests that I'm so excited to have on this episode is actually a gentleman that I met a few years ago at a conference when he was just launching his business. And it's Ted Fisher. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Ageless innovation. And they have a line of robotic pets called Joy for All Companions. We're going to talk a little bit about robotic pets and how they really are very comforting and helping those who are in assisted living, those who are in memory care, and also some of our older loved ones who are, you know, aging in place and living at home alone. So we're going to get into that with Ted, and he's got a lot of exciting things to share with us. And then, of course, in our caregiver wellness news, as I mentioned, we're going to focus on the pet therapy For pop culture, I'm going to give you my rundown of what I think are the best movies featuring animals over the last 80 years. Yeah, can you believe it? 80 years. So stay tuned for that. And then in well-home design news, we're going to focus again on how do we make sure that our homes are pet-friendly, particularly as we age. It gets a lot harder sometimes to take care of pets. What are the types of services and apps and other things that are out there that can help you or help your older loved one do that? And then, of course, we end, as we do every episode, with our Me Time Monday wellness hack and a what do you know? It's going to be on pet therapy and how the hugging of a pet can be helpful, can certainly help us with our happiness levels. And so stay tuned for that because we've got a lot of really great stuff to share with you. And of course, my little dog, who I call my pet therapy dog, is going to enter the picture. So you're going to actually be introduced to Penny today. You can always hear her on our episode. Sometimes she's in the background wagging her tail. Today, she's breathing a little heavy, but she's all dressed up and ready to go and ready to make her debut on our podcast. So stay tuned for everything. Let's take a look now at Caregiver Wellness News. 
So as I said, we've got a jam-packed episode for you today. And in fact, we have so much information to share. Usually I try to kind of memorize everything I'm going to tell you guys. I actually have my notes. So if you hear a little paper rustling, that's actually me checking all my notes to make sure I don't miss anything for you. But let's dive into our caregiver wellness news. And as I mentioned, April is National Parkinson's Disease Awareness Month. It also happens to be National Autism Awareness Month. And I wanted to just do a quick update for you, particularly those of you who are special needs caregivers for a child or an adult child who has autism. There's some really great things happening out there with a lot more awareness and understanding of this particular diagnosis. So first of all, We know that sensory activities are actually good for particularly children who have autism. And there was a new sensory garden that was opened in Clovis, California. That's up near Fresno. So that's up north from me. It's a whole experience in nature, but it really is created and designed for those who have autism to help them discover the sense, the smells, the touch, that tactile feel of being in a garden and going through and guiding them on different sensory activities that they can do. Really wonderful stuff. Same kind of concept was actually open at the American Dream Entertainment Complex in New Jersey. So they had a couple of days this month in April that they dedicated it to children with autism and encouraged parents to bring their kids out. So again, I think we're seeing so much more of this in our communities. The other thing that's happening that I think is really great is in our workplaces. And I want to do a quick shout out to some really great companies that are helping to train their workforce on what is being called now neurodiverse conditions. So employees who may have autism, employees who may have Parkinson's or even early onset dementia or Alzheimer's and other conditions. And so there's a lot of training that's going on in JP Morgan Chase, Microsoft, And Ernst & Young are some of the great leaders out there in the corporate world who are doing a lot more training of their workforce to have better empathy, better understanding for integrating our adults who may have those conditions into the workforce. So really great shout out and applause to those companies. Now, turning our focus on Parkinson's, there's a lot going on in the Parkinson's world. And one of the things I wanted to tell you about is some recent research, because one of the things we know with Parkinson's, and as you know, it's a neurodegenerative disease It affects about, there'll be about 60,000 new cases of Parkinson's that will be diagnosed this year. It typically does hit older adults, but it's tremors and shaking and the loss of balance and, you know, several other issues. But one of the things becomes really difficult for those with Parkinson's is being able to actually be mobile and to walk. So there was a French research team and medical team, and they recently did a surgery where they implanted into a Parkinson's patient into their spinal cord, a small kind of stent into the spinal cord to help with that balance issue and the ability to walk. And it's looking very promising. So hopefully we will see a lot more of this type of research, these types of clinical innovations, and medical innovations that are being done that will help all of us and particularly, of course, you know, those of us who are caring for a loved one with these different diseases. And then I just want to do a quick shout out to two resources. One is the Holly Rod Foundation. 
Holly Robinson Pete, who I hope to get onto this podcast soon. I interviewed her for my book and I've interviewed her for several other things we've done together. But she had a father with Parkinson's and now her older brother has been diagnosed with Parkinson's as well. And then her son, RJ, who is one of her twins, he was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. So Holly knows caregiving from you know the time she was 18 all the way through her adult life. And she and her husband, Rodney Pete, who played football at my alma mater, USC, they formed a really great foundation called the Holly Rod Foundation that does focus on both diseases, Parkinson's and autism, bringing awareness, bringing education, really helping the community understand again, so many different things, and they do really great events to fundraise for that. So check that out if you're interested. And of course, there's the National Parkinson's Foundation, and there's also the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research. They do tremendous research in this space, and they also have a lot of resources that can help caregivers in terms of maybe getting your loved one into a clinical trial or checklists and and other things. So you can check out those resources. So now let's turn to our main event, which is our love for pets that I've been kind of teasing up for you. And I want to talk a little bit about You know, April is also National Stress Awareness Month. And one of the things that we know is that pets and pet companions can really lower our stress levels and help us with our overall health and sense of well-being. And April 30th is actually National Pet Therapy Day. So just some quick statistics I wanted to throw out at you. First of all, 59% of baby boomers and 41% of those over the age of 70 have a furry friend. They have a pet, typically, you know, a dog or a cat, but it can be birds, turtles, ferrets, bunnies, all kinds of other pets. And basically the pet industry is now a huge industry. It's about $99 billion. And there was something that happened that they're now calling pandemic pets. So there was a poll that was done, national poll on healthy aging. And during the pandemic, what we saw is that there was a 10% increase in people between the ages of 50 and 80 who adopted a new pet or got a new pet during 2020 and 2021. So, you know, one of the things I think is very interesting is that there's a lot of comfort and security as those of us who know and have our wonderful pets, they really can be a comfort source. And I think with so much anxiety and loneliness and isolation and other things that we were going through through the pandemic, pets really became one of those health tools that we could turn to to help us to address some of those stresses and those depression and anxiety levels. So there's something called animal-assisted therapy, also known as pet therapy. It's been around, by the way, forever, definitely since the 1700s, and Florence Nightingale made it very popular and more commonplace in the 1800s when she used it with her psychiatric patients in psychiatric wards to calm them and she would bring pets in and so you know it would be goats or small horses or even chickens and certainly you know dogs and cats so we know that there's service dogs now service dogs are different because they're trained very specifically to help somebody who perhaps may be blind to help someone who has epilepsy so that they through their scent can actually warn their owner that there might be an epileptic seizure coming on so they can take their medication. We've also seen service dogs being used to identify tumors in cancer patients. And again, they have such a great sense of smell. You're going to learn a lot more in our Me Time Monday Wellness Hack. So I won't go through all those details now, but just know that that's more of a service dog position. Pet therapy is a little different because pet therapy is usually where 
the person who owns the dog goes through training and it's about anywhere from four to eight weeks or, or a little longer. And you go through training so that you can then come with your dog into a hospital setting. You can come into a home. You can come into a rehabilitation center or even a hospice center. And your dog is trained on how to sit quietly or how to sit next to somebody and let them, you know, pat them or whatever. And again, it's that comfort source, you know, all the things that we know are so great. And then there's emotional support animals, which we're hearing a lot about today. And in fact, on college campuses, I know these have become really popular, particularly during finals week. They actually bring in these pets because students are so stressed out over their finals. If they can just go hug a bunny or hug a dog or a cat for a while, they're it's, you know, again, it relieves that kind of stress that we have in our bodies, lowers our blood pressure, makes us feel a little bit more calm. So, you know, all kinds of animals are used in pet therapy. We talk a lot about dogs and cats, but also, as I mentioned, horses, which is hippotherapy. So that's more of an equine therapy, which is really great for, again, kids who have autism, people with multiple sclerosis, where they actually can develop better core strength. And there's a sense of empowerment when you're one with the animal, which happens when you are on a horse. The other thing that's really great for people with Parkinson's in horseback riding and hippotherapy is that not only the core strength that you're building, but the gait of the horse simulates the gait that you would have as if you were walking. So it helps out with that sense of being more mobile. But also, you know, we've seen birds, I mentioned rabbits, dolphins are a part of pet therapy, and a lot of other types of pets are being used. You know, a couple of things that I've seen, and we're going to talk to Ted Fisher in a minute, but in the dementia community and Alzheimer's community where I do a lot of work, we see a lot of agitation. We see a lot of wandering with certain people who have been diagnosed with either dementia or Alzheimer's and having a pet that they can either sit calmly with and just pet will help with those things. It'll bring the agitation level down and it doesn't have to be a dog or cat. You're going to see in our Me Time Monday wellness hack how a turtle actually really helped a woman who was in a memory care facility. So those are all things to, you know, kind of check out. Now, if you wanted to bring a pet therapy organization and get a pet therapy visit in your home for your loved one, they typically cost around a hundred to 150, $160 per visit. You can do it. And we're going to have a whole list of organizations that offer that kind of help, but I'll do a shout out to a couple of them. Animal Health Foundation, the Pet Partners, Pause for People, and a few others that we'll have up. And then I also want to do a shout out because I'm mentioning dementia and Alzheimer's, Silverado Senior Living, which is mostly out here on the West Coast, although I do know that they have some communities back East as well. They really were pioneers in bringing pets into the memory care facilities. And so, for instance, if your loved one needs to move into memory care and they have a beloved pet and that having to leave their pet could cause a lot of distress so they can bring their pet with them. And then there are volunteers within the staff and others who come onto the campus to help care for those dogs. Similarly, if your loved one moves into Silverado and they maybe didn't have a pet, they still have the benefit of going and petting a pet or having a pet sit with them. As I mentioned, the aquariums with the turtles, they have those in all of their facilities because they really believe in the culture of the community being integrated with 
pets. And I think it's really beautiful because, again, we've seen so many wonderful things just in the similar way that music can work miracles with people with dementia and Alzheimer's. Pet therapy is also one of those really terrific tools. And it's so nice that they have, again, they've created a way to have the pets cared for and, you know, have it be a safe environment, but also have that interaction for people with dementia who wouldn't otherwise be able to own a pet or take care of a pet. So those are just some really great things that are going on. As I mentioned, we're going to talk with Ted Fisher about robotic pets. Okay. So how are robotic pets coming into kind of, you know, the era of caregiving that we're seeing? He's going to talk a little bit about the dog, the cat, and now the new bird that they have that are robotic pets. They use a very proprietary technology so that the pets really simulate, you know, responding to you and being very lifelike. If you watch us on YouTube, you're going to see Ted hold up a couple of these robotic pets and you can get a look at them. We'll have um, pictures of them on our episode guide page. And so Dr. Elizabeth Zolinski, who I interviewed at the USC Center for Digital Aging at USC, as I mentioned, you know, she said that supplementing real pet interactions, you know, whether they're real or robotic, with human interaction is really important. So it's not to replace humans, but it is to bridge that gap. And also she feels that, you know, again, if the robotic pet is furry and you can hug it and it kind of responds to you, then it can certainly simulate more of a real pet. So now let's turn quickly to pop culture. And I want to do a rundown and a shout out. First of all, little shout out to Betty White, who we lost this year. She was just days away from actually turning 100. I was hoping she was going to make it into the centenarian club, but she was a huge animal rights and, and animal pet therapy advocate. She actually was a president of an organization here in Southern California called Actors and Others for Animals. They still are very active and I'll have their website on our episode guide page so you can find some pet therapy services through that. And then here's my list of my favorite movies that involve pets. Some of them are, you know, real life, real actors and real dogs or real cats. And some of them are animated. But I was fascinated to go all the way back to 1942 with one of my favorite childhood movies, which was Bambi, of course, a Disney classic. And then, of course, following that up with Lady and the Tramp in 1955. Then the one that I can't watch without a box of Kleenex is Old Yeller. Every time it just gets me. That movie was made in 1957, by the way. And then in 1961, they brought out 101 Dalmatians. Now, I really like the animated version the best. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm old school. I will say probably because my brother and I, for Halloween one year, my mom made us costumes that were 101 Dalmatians. I'm going to see if I can dig that photo up and put it on our episode guide page or, you know, I'll put it on our Facebook page or whatever. We love those costumes. So we were really into that movie as kids. And then of course, Born Free, which is with, about the lions. And if you haven't seen that, that's another great one. That was in 1966. And then Charlotte's Web, 1973. Babe, the Pig in 1995. Remember that? I think it was actually up for a Best Picture Oscar even. It was a great movie. The Lion King, of course, 1994. Happy Feet. And Happy Feet makes me think of my nephew Morgan because he was very young at the time and he used to do the little penguin dance. I wish I could get him to do that now, but he's now, you know, he's 19. So that's not going to happen. He's, he's not thinking about happy feet. And then Marley and me, another tearjerker, but really great movie with Jennifer Aniston, actually in 2008, 
The Secret Life of Pets in 2016, and then A Dog's Journey recent movie in 2019 was really, really great. So that's my list for you in pop culture. And with that, we are now going to talk to Ted Fisher, the CEO and founder of Ageless Innovation and his line of Joy for All Companion Pets. So I'm so excited to have our next guest on, who is Ted Fisher, the CEO and co-founder of Ageless Innovation. And Ted is going to tell us about the magic of robotic pets when it comes to our older loved ones and giving them that kind of companion for life that we know we all need. So Ted, welcome to Caregiving Club on Air. Thanks, Sherry. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So the first question we always ask our guests is, where are we talking to you from? We are in the uh, Ageless Innovation Corporate Headquarters here in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. All right. Rhode Island. Love Rhode Island. <laughs> Trying to be spring here, but feels more like winter. Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> You're still getting a little bit of that, that winter gloom, right? We've got to get the spring coming your way. So Our CFO is on vacation this week. He's taking his uh, son on college trips. He sent a picture from Albany, New York today with about eight inches of snow. And I said, oh. <laughs> nothing you know, is more attractive to a, re- a new college prospect than eight inches of snow on April 19th. Right. <laughs> <So it's> not, <laughs> like, <laughs> Exactly. Like the worst possible scenario. <laughs> not a good selling point, right? No, definitely not. <laughs> well, I want to start by having you tell us a little bit about the origin story of Ageless Innovation and Joy for All Companion Pets, how you got started, and why you chose this area to go into, given your background. So tell us a little bit about all that. Well, thank you. So if you had told me when I joined Hasbro in 2015, which is a big part of the origin story, that I would be here talking to you about products that we make specifically for older adults and their families, I'm not sure I could have connected those dots day one. But pretty quickly into that assignment, as I I was brought in to lead this new innovation team, and the the mandate was to think about how to use what Hasbro is good at in new markets and new channels. So not for toys for kids in the toy aisle, which they were great at. They didn't need my help. And we chose health and wellness. We we thought that what Hasbro was great at was the ability to engage and gamify and make meaningful connections and all the things that I felt like in the health and wellness and healthcare space overall, there were these wonderful programs. And I thought many of them did a poor job of engaging those that they were intending to help. You know, it's a marketing issue, but it's also just sort of the way that they go about it. It's, you know, I thought there was some opportunities to make it less clinical and more fun and, and playful. And so as we did our research in that area, we found some insights that older adults had been using a product that was intended to for four to eight-year-old girls about 20 some odd years ago. And mom was buying it for their older loved one versus their, you know, four to eight-year-old daughter, which it was intended for about 20% of the reviews. And those reviews were really meaningful and impactful and heartwarming. And so we leaned into that and found two things. One, older adults unequivocally want more play and fun and joy in their life. And two, there was this incredible need for interactive companionship and joy. And so we sort of took those things. We went out and did some research with uh, older adults all over the country and found that there was this need for, again, the interactive companionship piece, but they were very specific about it. And, and so as we showed them different things, the form factors that are behind me here, the, the cats and the dogs and soon to be the birds, were things they told us that you know they missed and that they wanted and they did they wanted the experience. So we created a line of robotic pets that you know had very realistic features at a very affordable price. And those were all things that we heard from older adults. So that was the launch in 2015 and 2018, my team and I decided we needed 
needed to really focus 100% on older adults and their families. And so in a very friendly management spin out, we four of us started Ageless Innovation, and then we acquired the Joy for All brand. And since 2018, have been running it as our company and joyfully you know, serving older adults and their families. Sure. For those of us who are watching us, maybe on YouTube, I can see right behind you, you've got your your puppy, your dog, your cat, and now a new bird that you're going to tell us about. How did you go about choosing the types of animals? And I know they're very realistic. You know, they do certain things that obviously simulate a real pet, but make it so much easier for an older adult to obviously have because it's a lot of work. As we all know, I've got my little pet therapy dog sitting next to me and she is a handful. But tell me how you went about that and what tends to be more popular, the cats or the dogs? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's a great question. So it's really split 50-50. There are cat lovers and dog lovers. In year one, we launched the cat first, so it had a year head start. But for that year, every dog lover all we ever heard is, when are you coming out with the dog? So (laughs) we were so happy a year later in 2016 to be able to launch the dog. And so over time, I think the cat had such a head start that it was getting, it had a lot of, you know, sort of momentum. And so for the first couple of years, the cat was sort of dominant. Today, it's much closer to 50-50 in terms of the dogs and the cats. We've launched a couple different colors and species and brands, you know, of these. I can show you really quick because to your question about how we came up with the features, honestly, all of I'm just going to turn it on for a second, but it usually steals the show. And, and so pretty much the features that we have in the pets were told to us by older adults. So things like paw pads, like I say all the time, I, I had never sat in a paw pad meeting before, but I was in dozens of them, you know, because the texture mattered, the fact that they had them mattered, things like these whiskers, you can see the whiskers here. And right. these are tapered whiskers. So in the original version that we showed people, we had straight whiskers and like, cats don't have straight whiskers, they're tapered. <laughs> and you wouldn't believe how different a process it is to have tapered whiskers versus regular whiskers because of the work that goes into making it happen. The other thing that we heard is that cats you know, when they purr, they actually vibrate. And so it's a tactile sensation. So it's purring right now. I don't know if you can hear that, but it's actually vibrating. So we invented this technology called Vibra Purr. And so when it's sitting on your lap and it's, you know, it's being a cat, it, it purrs, it vibrates, you feel it and those type of things. So we really listened to the end user to answer your question about how we came up with these things. And then the other piece that's really important is affordability is something we heard that, you know, was really, really important to this. So there's a lot of social robotics out there. Many of them are thousands of dollars, putting them out of the reach of of sort of the individual. We've done everything we can to keep these under $150, which we have to date. And so that one-to-one model has been so important as it relates to loneliness and isolation and Alzheimer's and dementia, the areas where, you know, the need stage where our, our products been validated to have impact. And I think part of that is, When people feel the possession and the ownership of a pet, they name it and it's theirs. There's a different kind of connection, different kind of magic that happens that we've seen now hundreds of thousands of times. I think it's a really important part of the sort of product and and how it's, it's had the type of impact it has. Well, and you've done such a wonderful job. I mean, they're just beautiful pets. By the way, my dog thinks she was a model for the dog back there because she looks exactly like that. She might have been. We don't want to give all the secrets out, right? Exactly. But, you know, you've also backed it with a lot of science, Ted, and I know that you've worked with different organizations to do some research and really show the impact of how robotic pets can really, particularly in the dementia community, calm agitation, help with wandering issues. Of, Of course, the whole companionship, isolation, loneliness issues that we see with a lot of older adults, particularly who are living at home alone. Tell me a little bit about some of that science. And also, you've made some great partnerships. Like, I know that you've done stuff with Meals on Wheels. You obviously 
sell your pets at retail, but you also are working with a lot of assisted living and, as I mentioned, memory care. So tell us a little bit about that side of things. Yeah, so on the science side, you know, really organic at first. And so, you know, when we launched this at Hasbro, like Hasbro thought it was an awesome idea that we were expanding into healthcare until we got to the point where we had to tell them what, you know, being in healthcare meant. It had to spell things like HIPAA and other things that they they weren't as fond of as we were. And so as part of that, we really started out, as you'd imagine, because of Hasbro's, you know, immense global retail presence. We started in the retail channel, uh, which made a lot of sense. And the anecdotal evidence started to really mount and, and people were seeing great, you know, they were buying, they were going on Amazon or wherever and buying 10 of them for their, you know, assisted living community. And within the first year, it became really clear and it was our hope, but we didn't know how to go about it, that we were going to have to really get more specific to the, you know, health and wellness world. So, so we have a healthcare channel, we have a retail channel and the anecdotal evidence and even in the reviews and the letters of testimonials and then the use cases by people in assisted living led academics and clinicians to be interested in the product where they would come to us and say, listen, we'd like to do a 50 pet pilot because we're seeing such great outcomes here and really, you know, use the UCLA loneliness scale or, you know, see how it is in a post-acute setting for delirium. And so now there's about a dozen published research, you know, papers, journals, peer-reviewed, other of all shapes and sizes that really focus mainly on loneliness and isolation and, you know, dementia and Alzheimer's related diseases. And so there are different ones. The, the common thread to all that is the increase in sort of optimism and resilience and the decrease in the feelings of depression and loneliness, you know, reduction in agitation, the calming factor, the intermediary that it plays between caregiver and loved one or a clinical caregiver and, you know, and their patient or their resident has been as gratifying as the impact on the older adult, because for caregivers, you know, our pets have acted as a bridge. As we know, with Alzheimer's and dementia, people can go through agitated states, sundowning, they can, transitions are difficult. And as opposed to medicating, by the way, I can see your companion pet there. It's very realistic. <laughs> She's, um, yeah, she needs yeah. to be on camera here. She's <laughs> very realistic. And so, you know, we've, we've seen in these studies that the reduction in psychotropic medications that, you know, in a VA setting where, you know, some older aggressive you know, dementia sufferers had a terrible time with any transition. Now, instead of medicating them, they give them a pet and they start to whistle and happily go, you know, and sort of on their way. We've heard that story, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of times. That's been a huge part of, uh, of sort of how I think the team has done such an incredible job leading into how we amplify impact. We think about that, we talk about it every day. How do we amplify our impact? And so we're coming at sort of these really sometimes difficult situations that the, the population we serve are facing from the joyful, playful, fun side of aging. And that's uh, what's where we always want to be. Yeah. And I want to ask you about that keyword play in a minute, but tell me quickly, you know, we know a lot of family caregivers are often making the purchase for their older loved one. Are there any barriers to older adults saying, oh, I don't want a robot, you know, it's not the same, or I've even heard people in healthcare say, well, it's just, you know, you're kind of infantilizing the older adult because it's not real and you're trying to convince them it's a real companion, which I think is, you know, just a, a void argument, but what do family caregivers, I mean, do they have any barriers to adopting a robotic pet? And particularly during COVID when we couldn't see our older loved ones, right? I would imagine things uh, really got great for you guys. Yeah. So, so COVID was, I mean, an unexpected area where we, we ended up with a whole new set of partners, mostly state agencies on aging and AAAs 
who were addressing the worst social isolation and loneliness I've ever seen. I mean, the protective measures put in place to protect our older adults also serve to further isolate them from each other, from their caregivers, from their loved ones. I mean, just, you couldn't, obviously it spotlighted that issue. And we had some success in, in the state of New York to start. And then Florida followed a, a week or two later, and now we have 30 state partners in this area. And so it's one of those things where we've never tried to fool anyone. Like we're, we've never tried to say, hey, these are real or these are a replacement for real. What we've said is we identified a need state where people were looking for more interactive companionship. So the fact that you give something to these pets and they give you something back, you know, and it's similar to the pet experience, which we modeled it after. But one, we never try and tell any caregiver or loved one where their older adult is in their journey or what they should think or, or believe. We believe we get in their boat. Wherever they are, that's where we try and meet them. And we've never tried to fool anybody. What we've said is, listen, yes, if everybody could have the real pet as you do and take care of it and, and be happy and wonderful, we have no issue with that. And a lot of people have real pets and they have our pets. So it's really what works for them. And what we were trying to do is fill a void where we saw, listen, you can, there are a lot of people who think that this infantilization, we really very careful, we don't call these toys, we call them companion animals, companion pets. That companionship piece is really important. And so we look at it and we say, okay, we're, we've sold about a, you know 500,000 of these uh, around the world. And we get letters and testimonials daily, weekly, I mean, I mean, by the dozens. And it's all about the impact that it's had on the family experience, on the person or how people were nonverbal and they got the pet and it became verbal. I said, I don't know what's causing that. All I know is things like this, things like music, other things spark something in people that somehow maybe brings them to a better or different place than they were. And if families are, are happy, that's, that's what we care about. We measure this by family happiness and person happiness. Like people say they're person-centered and then they say, well, we shouldn't give them a, a robot pet because it's not real. I'm like, well, are you, are you really being person-centered then if that's what they want? I'm not the judge of that. I'm not saying it's for everybody either. And I've never, we never have. And so, you know, I think what the team and I think about every day is, how do we make fun, engaging, joyful products that are meaningful and impactful and that people wanted to play with? Right. You've got that joy and happiness right in the DNA, right in your name, Joy for All Companions. But, you know, you did a wonderful TED Talk, and I want you to tell me a little bit about that. I think it was the story of, of a little bit about your grandmother. You talk a lot about the need for play. And particularly for those of us who are older adults, and we've got so many responsibilities and things that we're juggling in life and what we've gone through the last two years, we really need that sense of play. Tell us about why that's important and a little bit of your story with, you know, your grandma. Well, my grandma and I always had an incredibly playful relationship well before my time at Hasbro or in this industry. I was the crazy grandson who did, you know, like for Mother's Day, I might buy her a seven foot inflatable Spider-Man for her apartment, which no one needs, but she seemed to think was the greatest thing in the world. And we would actually thought I was absolutely out of my mind most of the time. We had this really fun, joyful. So I would always look for the craziest way. And she like came to, you know, expect it. And oh, she, one year I put together a book that was sort of our life together. And it was one of my, a face, my picture, her picture. And then I superimposed it on things like us in a bodybuilding competition or <laughs> on a vacation in, you know, Hawaii. And I wrote, you know, I just kind of made this book and it, 
she showed every single person, look what my crazy grandson, you know, so, so that relationship. And as my grandmother, you know, continued down the path of, of more progressive dementia, laughter and joy were, were sort of her weapons, right? She didn't remember things, but she just laughed at everything. Like she would laugh at what I say before I said it. Like I'd start to talk and she'd start to laugh. I'm like, how do you know it's going to be funny? It was a big part of it. And as at, you know, the time where her dementia was progressing, I was embarking on this work. So she was my single person focus group. Like I would bring everything we were doing. I'd run by her, you know, the assisted living memory care where she was and, and bring it by where she was to, to, to sort of show it to her and get a reaction. And she was actually on our first packaging. So, you know, when we were looking for a model for the packaging, my grandmother happened to be the person on it. I love that. That was really special. And and, and really, it's not just my grandmother, but as I think we think about it more holistically, and our team talks about this a lot, is that, you know, people think about play as a nice to have. We actually think it's a basic human need. You know, we think most people work their entire life to be more playful as they age, to have more free time to enjoy and be joyful and, and happy. And listen, we got to see 15 minutes of the, the movie, All the Lonely People, which is going to be a great movie documentary at ASA. And there was one woman on a bus who just kept saying, "Agey, getting old sucks. It just sucks, you know? <laughs> and, and so I think it's kind of perspective. You can look at the negative. We, we tend to think about not just the fun and joyful, playful side of aging, but how this basic human need that people have to play is something that, you know, sort of culturally we say as you get older, you shouldn't do. And I think it's actually just the opposite. And you see it in, a, you know, I'm not medically trained, but what I've seen is when people are happy, they feel better. And so that's kind of the way that, uh, that we approach this stuff. So Yeah. You know, there's, it's somewhat of an urban myth, although it is true that children laugh more during the day than adults. And some of the numbers I've seen is that children laugh about 300 times a day and adults only 15. So I think we definitely need to get our, yeah. our laugh. There must voice. be a real child inside. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, Ted, it's just been so great to talk to you. So tell our audience where they can purchase the pets and also take us through. So how much is the dog, the cat, and then your new, uh, is it called the the squawker walker, the walker squawker, the walker squawker, yeah. walker squawker, which is a bird, which is beautiful. Yeah. And you know what I love, by the way, again, because those who are listening to us on podcasts don't see this. It's a red cardinal, right? Yeah. And you know what I find fascinating is I did a, an initiative with Caregiver Monday campaign and the red cardinal is a symbol of our loved ones. And so I don't know if you knew that or not, but anyway, it's just, it's really gorgeous. My mother, at their house, we, where we, we kind of converge in the summer, there's two red cardinals that are around the property all the time. And she's convinced they're my grandparents who are, you know, have been long deceased, but she believes that to be true. So that is the story. Yeah. That's yeah. the story they tell. Where can we find these and what's the price point? Yeah. So we have a special pricing that's quantity based in the healthcare channel. And so many of our customers want to buy in bulk. So more than one at a time. And so we have discounts associated with that. Our retail channel, Amazon, we're online, obviously CVS, we're in store and online. Walmart, we're going to be both, we're online now. All the major retailers, Best Buy as well, Walgreens, Target. So those are folks. And then globally, we're in other retail locations outside of the country in the UK and Canada and, uh, and a bunch of other countries. And retail, uh, the pup is uh, $139. And the cat is 125. These are suggested retail pricing, obviously. And then the Walker Squawker, which is coming out in June, July timeframe, 
I think will be about $65 at retail. That's just a great story unto itself invented by a 93-year-old entrepreneur named Rita Maloney who didn't need a walker for 90 years of her life. And then, uh, you know, everybody gets mad now that she forgets it. So she thought it would be wonderful to have this little companion that reminded her, made it more fun and playful to be on her walker. So it goes into that mode and then, you know, can, you can kind of hang on to it, but you can also put it on the walker. Oh, I love that. It'll, it'll sing songs. Oh, that is great. That is so, great. <laughs> the more you walk, the more songs it unlocks. So it's, you know, incentivizing healthy, active play and fun. And- yeah. And it kind of brings you into nature, which we know is is very helpful and everything. Well, Ted, again, I mean, it's just a phenomenal what you've done. And I love these companion pets. Everybody I talk to, I'm like, you've got to get one of these, particularly when I hear that maybe somebody can't take care of their pet anymore or they've lost their pet and they don't really want to go about getting a new pet. These are just really fantastic. So thank you for all that you're doing and thank you for being on our podcast today. Uh, Thanks again for having me. I uh, really enjoyed it. All right. Well, take care, Ted. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Sharon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so turning to a little well-home design news and staying focused on our lovely, beloved pets, I wanted to do a rundown of some of the news that's made the headlines recently that you may or may not have seen. First of all, Lowe's, and I think I talked about Lowe's in a previous podcast where they did a deal with ARP that was around aging in place and universal design. ARP was going to be doing a lot of educational content that you would be able to find on their website. Well, Lowe's is doing a lot these days. They've also done a deal with Petco. So there are going to be little Petco, almost like pop-up shops, but you know, a little bit more substantial, but they will be inside the Lowe's now. They're rolling these out in first in Texas. The first one is going to be in Alamo Ranch. I think it actually opened just a couple months ago. And then they're adding locations, a few more in Texas, North Carolina, and South Carolina, Haven't seen the rest of the list yet. Not sure where California, for instance, fits on that list. But I think what it's showing is that, you know, it's going to be really beneficial for caregivers, a one-stop shop. You can go and pick up a lot of things that you need for your home, for your loved one's home, and now even for your pets and their wonderful home. So I think those are really great trends that we're seeing in in retail. The other thing I wanted to kind of hit upon is some of the trends that we're seeing in home design and how that might help you if you're a pet owner. And then I'm going to get into how it also could be beneficial for your older loved one if they own a pet. So let's start first with just the general design. You know, I'll have some pictures up on our episode guide page, but there is, you know, like a banquette or a bench and it has a pull-out drawer. Now, some of these are on an automatic spring where you push in and it kind of pulls out. And then there you go. There's the pet dishes for water and for food. And then you have storage inside of that little banquette or seating area so that you know it's not out in the middle of the floor the whole time. It doesn't become a trip hazard, for instance, for your older loved one. And it kind of keeps things a little bit more tidy. So that's a really cool little design hack there. There's also built-in hidden pet gates now. So I know I've got my pet gates up all over the place. Well, now you can have them built in where they kind of roll into the wall. So if you do happen to be maybe, you know, you're doing some entertaining or, you know, having people over to your house and you don't need the pet gates up, then 
and automatically there they go right into the wall. That's also really cool. Now, a lot of people with their older loved ones have motion sensors in the house. And this is to advise us if there's something wrong with our loved one's gait, or maybe if they've fallen and it can automatically detect that there's, you know, the sensors know that there's something off. And people have often said, well, that won't work because, you know, mom has that big lab and the lab's going to set it off all the time. Ha ha. No, no. The people with the smart sensors are really smart. And so I wanted to let you know, and again, we'll have some of the resources on our episode guide page, but a lot of these built-in sensors are pet immune. So it's actually, it knows the difference, obviously, between the pet and your loved one. So don't shy away. If you're thinking about those types of kind of remote monitoring systems, you don't need to shy away from them because you think maybe the pet will be a barrier or an obstacle for that. And then of course, automatic feeders and water dispensers are always really great. You know, we think about our loved ones having to maybe bend over or bend down to reach the bowls to feed the pets. And that becomes a barrier to owning a pet. Well, we don't want that to happen. So if you can get some of these automatic feeders and water dispensers, that'll be really helpful for your loved one. And one of the things I thought was really interesting is realtor.com said that one of the top 10 trends in home design over the last couple of years have been doggy showers. I know I've seen some of them on some of the HGTV shows that I watch. And what's really great, and I think this is really great also for families, is that, you know, certainly it's very helpful if you're showering, you know, trying to bathe a big dog or or even a small dog, quite frankly, to have one of these built-in pet showers or pet bathing areas. But also think about this. So Realtor.com said, okay, you can also rinse off your kids or your grandkids who have dirty feet before they run through the house. Maybe they've been out in the forest, in the mud, in the park, at the beach, with the sand, whatever it is. You can clean your muddy rain boots. You can wash the dirt off your gardening tools more easily. You can leave your wet umbrella in this area to dry you know, so it can dry off in that area and then cleaning any large item that you don't want to bring into your everyday shower and it's too big, too bulky, maybe to fit into your washing machine. Allah, you have this wonderful new cleaning space that you can use. So I can see the benefit of integrating this into maybe a a home modification or remodel or something that you're thinking about. And certainly if you're a dog lover, it certainly makes it a lot easier to bathe those pets. I'll tell you again, for our older loved ones, it gets really tough to bend over the tub. You know, hopefully you have a handheld shower head because you probably wouldn't be able to do it otherwise with a bucket is I think how we did it back in the olden days, even bending over the tub and then, you know, picking the dog or or, uh, you know, whomever up and out of the tub is is really difficult, particularly as we get a little bit older. So a lot of these doggy shower bathing areas are really great. And then I just want to do a quick shout out to Trisha Yearwood, the country singer. She actually is a really huge advocate for rescue dogs. And she now has a whole line of Trisha Yearwood pets. And she does a lot of really great bedding for pets. So you may want to check that out. We'll have that link on our episode guide page. And then a few more tips for you know, an older loved one, let me tell you, our pets are our lifeline. We all know that. If you're a pet lover or a pet owner, you know your pet is your lifeline. And as we get older, and particularly if we are living alone at home, it's even more of a lifeline for our older loved ones. So how do we make sure that we can make sure the dogs are, you know, safe and being well cared for, but also making sure that our old loved ones are able to manage and own that pet 
And there are some things that will help. So let me give you a little rundown on that. First of all, there are a lot of great apps out there now for dog walking. You know, there's a lot of dog walking services around. So a couple of apps, if you aren't familiar with them, are Rover. Another one is WAG with an exclamation point. Certainly TaskRabbit, you know, there are people on TaskRabbit. And then Nextdoor, the app for our communities. There's a lot of kids sometimes in the communities who want to, you know, kind of help out or make a, make a couple bucks or whatever. And so you can use those apps to help have others walk the dog if your loved one, you know, maybe recently had a, a hip replacement or had a problem and they really need that dog walked on a daily basis. Also, mobile bathing services are huge. I see the little trucks in my community all the time. Even some vets are doing house calls. And this happened a lot during the pandemic. So you may want to check that out with your loved ones, you know, nearby vet so that they don't have to, again, you know, pick them up, put them in the car get them over to even the veterinarian, that becomes a huge obstacle. Also, Meals on Wheels, great program, by the way, for our older population. It's not just delivering meal, it's delivering a little bit of social interaction. They're also doing, some of the Meals on Wheels are also delivering food for pets. So you may want to check with your local Meals on Wheels if your loved one qualifies for that. They also might be able to feed your loved one's pet. And then certain services like care.com, and I do some work for care.com. I actually do a monthly educational webinar for all of their employer clients and the employees who work for those employers. But care.com is really great because it's a one-stop shop for if you need help with your older loved one, maybe you need a little light housekeeping or a little personal care that comes into their home to help them out. And you can also get pet services. So all this dog walking and dog care that we've been talking about, you can go to care.com and get both of those done in just one click, couple clicks maybe, but it's all online, which is really great. And then there are some low income programs like the PACE program has um, something that includes pet care. So again, your loved one has to qualify for some of these, but if they do, then you might be able to check that out and see if you can get some of the pet care included in that. And then, you know, I'm going to pick up my little puppy because I promised you that you'd be able to meet Penny. And so she's sitting, sitting right next to me. You've probably been hearing her heavy breathing and a little bit of panting. We have a little bit of a warmer day. I'm going to see if I could get her. She's a little shy now. Okay, there she is. Okay, look at you. Oh, big groan. There we go. I wanted to share Penny with you, not only because I love her to death and she is absolutely my best friend, but also I recently attended a virtual memorial for a mentor of mine, Gail Sheehy, who was the author of Passages. She recently passed away. And Gail and I bonded over a lot of things, our love of writing and, and you know, being kind of social anthropologists. And, you know, she loved that I was going after my gerontology master's. But we both own Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, which is what Penny is here. And we kind of bonded over that. And one of the things I thought about when Gail passed is who was going to take Charlie, her dog, well, her assistant, who was in her 20s, helping Gail out actually became Charlie's new owner. So if you do have a loved one who has passed, and maybe, you know, family members don't want to really take the dog. Sometimes there are family, friends, neighbors, or whomever. But there are also kind of these rehoming services that you can find. I know there's one called Joyful Pets, 
very similar to what we just talked about with Ted, but it's a totally different company. We'll have that link on our website as well, and they can help you find a new home for the dog so it doesn't have to go to any kind of a shelter or anything like that. So with that, and Penny, you know, she's going to say bye. She made her big debut. She's not sure what's going on, but she knows she's getting a treat at the end of all this. So that's probably why she's eyeing the little jar over there. But now let's go to our Me Time Monday wellness hack on how pets can help us heal, can help us be healthier, and certainly can help us be happier. It's kind of what Charles Schultz said, happiness is a warm puppy. I'm Sherry Snelling and welcome to our Me Time Monday wellness hack. In celebration of National Pet Therapy Day on April 30th, this episode's wellness hack is about how our pets help us heal, make us healthier, and make us happier. There is a therapeutic effect of pets. Scientific studies have shown that pets can help us be healthier, can make us happier, and can heal us and comfort us, especially when we are sad, anxious, or lonely. We know that owning a pet can lower our blood pressure, boost our immunity, increase our oxytocin levels, which is our feel-good hormone, and decrease our cortisol levels, which is our stress hormone. They also help us get outside into nature and move our bodies and explore. And they show us unconditional, non-judgmental love. It's probably why more than half of Americans ages 50 to 80 own a pet and 10% became a new pet owner during the pandemic. The ancient Greeks were the first to use animals in therapy by using horses to lift the spirits of the seriously ill. In the 1800s, Florence Nightingale used small pets to calm and soothe her psychiatric patients. And the American Red Cross used farm animals in the 1940s to help World War II veterans who were suffering from shell shock, or what we know today as PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So while our pets give us emotional health benefits, we cannot overlook the physical health benefits. How many of us would actually take ourselves out for a walk three times a day or do beneficial stretching in the morning after watching our dog or cat do a little pet yoga stretch and reminding us that we should do the same? Even goats got into the action when goat yoga became a trend a few years ago. Practiced with dwarf or baby goats, it's like a quick massage as the goats hop on your back and then hop off. For some, practicing yoga outside with animals that you can see while you're breathing and posing is a reminder of a simpler, calmer way of life and helps us with the meditative aspect of yoga. Now, everyone has probably experienced puppy dog eyes, but it's been about 33,000 years since humans domesticated dogs and researchers from the US and the UK recently published peer-reviewed study that showed that dogs were able to morph their facial tendons to literally create puppy dog eyes, which were bigger, maybe a little sadder, younger and cuter, and giving their faces that kind of cute puppy dog look to manipulate their human loved ones into a treat, a hug or a walk. It shows the kind of bonding that has gone on in the evolution of humans and dogs since our ancient ancestors, and for dogs, that would be wolves. And it shows how well we communicate with each other. We also know that dogs in particular have sensitivity 
to smells. They can smell things 10,000 to 100,000 times more acutely than humans. Scientists and animal trainers can actually teach dogs to sniff out cancer tumors or detect an upcoming seizure in someone with epilepsy that can save lives. Now, there is a wonderful story about a hospice cat. In a nursing home in Providence, Rhode Island, there was a stray cat that wandered into the hospice facility back in 2005. The cat's name was Oscar, and he quickly became a beloved pet in the facility who was known for finding those in their last hours of life and sitting near them to comfort them. Rather than being a bad omen, residents, staff, and family thought of Oscar as an angel who had come to help their loved one pass away peacefully. As Oscar's legend grew, a doctor at the facility wrote a book called Making the Rounds with Oscar, chronicling how this cat brought comfort and companionship for those making their final journey. Sadly, Oscar passed away himself at age 17 earlier this year. Staff and others gathered to comfort the cat, who in his lifetime brought that comfort to hundreds of others. Now, there is something called hippotherapy, which is actually using horses in a pet therapy environment. So according to the National Institutes on Health, hippotherapy is a physical, occupational, and speech therapy program that utilizes the natural gait and movement of a horse to provide motor and sensory input. It is based on improvement of neurological functions and sensory processes and used for patients with physical and mental health disorders. So people with Parkinson's or multiple sclerosis and children with autism, cerebral palsy, ADHD, or anyone with mental health issues, find the horse has the same motion as when you are walking. And this motion passively exercises muscles and builds core strength. And the horses, like other animals, are non-judgmental. They are there to work with the person as a team, becoming one with their human partner. The ancient Greek physician Hippocrates, known as the father of medicine, first wrote about hippotherapy in 600 BC, but it wasn't until 1992 that the American Hippotherapy Association was founded. And you know, we know hugs, whether it is a hug between humans or a cuddle with our favorite pet, has both physical and emotional benefits. But does it matter if the pet is real or if it is robotic? One study found that if the robotic pet was furry and huggable and used some type of technology to respond to the person, there was no discernible health outcome difference between a real live pet and a robotic pet. This is good news for those family caregivers who may have an older loved one who can no longer care for a pet, but longs for pet companionship. We hope you enjoyed this Me Time Monday wellness hack. Each episode of our Caregiving Club on-air podcast features a new Me Time Monday wellness hack, and you can learn more about the Me Time Monday program and workshop at caregivingclub.com and check out all my wellness articles from my upcoming book, Me Time Monday, the weekly wellness edit for a wonderful life. Take care and stay well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Caregiving Club on-air. Please listen to us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and other listening channels. You can check out all the resources and article links on our episode guide page at caregivingclub.com on the podcast tab. And you can email us at podcast at caregivingclub.com. Take care and stay well. Stay well.